You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. But here's what I want you to know before we dive into God's Word completely. There's three things that I think that God's Word talks about when we talk about the so that life that I really believe are three things that if you'll learn these three things, they're going to get you through a lot of different situations. So I want you to get ready. There's three simple things, three things that I think that you can remember. They're probably the three central themes of God's Word that start in the beginning, go all the way through the end. They're just three little phrases that I want us to memorize today. Are you ready? It's very simple. Number one, God is with me. You got it? God is with me. Number two, God is for me. Not only is he with me, but God is also for me. And then thirdly, and God wants to bless me. God is with me, God is for me, and God wants to bless me. You say, well, Mickey, that sounds great. It almost sounds like, yay, rah, let's go. But can you show me that in God's word? Well, I can. Are you ready? We're going to dive in. We're going to end up in a lot of different scriptures, but I've printed out some scriptures, and so you may just want to write the, the reference down. You can go back and study them later. But when we think about this so that life, when we think about there's got to be something that all this is for. Like, why are you living your life? Why is, do we have a relationship with Christ? Does having God be with us, does having God be for us, does having God wanting to bless us, does that result because there's something that he wants that to become? Well, here's some scriptures that may be familiar to you as far as the concept of why he is with us. You've heard these before. You ready? Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Not all these are going to be on the screen because this is not the text we're going to be into. But I just want to kind of give you an idea of how much these tie together. Joshua 1 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you in my right hand. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Even Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, part of that great commandment, of the Great Commission, he says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Then what does Jesus say? And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, there is something that's throughout God's word. And listen, I literally was doing some different search and reading and cross-referencing. I literally could have came in with a hundred verses through God's word, Old Testament and New Testament, that just addresses the fact that God is with you. You say, well, Mickey, why didn't you do that? Because we want to give you something a little bit more than just a hundred verses on God's with you. But my question is, but why is he with us? Like, what's the, what's the so that? Where is all of this going? And one of the ways that we can see this is actually in Romans chapter 8, verse 37. He says, no, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who love us. You hear me talk about that all the time. But listen to what he says. For I am sure 
that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will ever separate us from the love of God. See, not only is God with you, but he also is with you because with him you become more than a conqueror. So in this thing called life, when God is around us, when he becomes a part of what we're doing, immediately we go from being defeated by some things to being able to be more than a conqueror in the things we do. In fact, what Romans is talking about is there's never a time that he is going to separate himself from you. See, the first concept that I want you to know, and I just want to share those scriptures with you, is I want you to know that, number one, God is with you wherever you go. But I think that he's with you because he desires something. But it's one of those things that, that what God wants to do is not only is he with you, but God is for you. See, he doesn't want to just be by your side, but he's by your side because when he gets involved, you ready? Things should get better. Like when God's involved, then there should be purpose. There should be movement. Things should start getting better. You say, well, how does it get better? Well, Romans, this scripture you will see. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. God is for you. When then, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will not he also with him graciously give us all things? See, not only is God with you, but he desires to be with you because he's for you. And not only is he for you, but what this verse is saying is, and he gave his son, and if he's willing to give his son, how much more is he willing to sow that that you just saw to also give you everything that you need? See, God is with you. God is for you. And then here's the key. And God wants to bless you. Most of us, Understand that God's with us. We feel like sometimes he's for us. But if we were to be honest, I believe that most people in the room have no concept. Okay, so how do I get to the blessing part? Like, like most of my life, my relationship with God is based out of obedience and submission. And I've not got to this life more abundantly. You, you've approached your Christianity almost with legalistic goggles and what i want to do is i want you to take those goggles off today and i want to show you three cups three cups that i think have to be a part of your life for you to understand what god means when he says not only am i with you and we know it's all through scripture not only am i for you but what it means three cups got to be a part of your life for him to bless you and we're going to do that so you can see the so that why he blesses you so the first question you may ask is, okay, Mickey, well, how does God want to bless me? Well, if you have a Bible or if you're on your phone, flip with me. We're going to be in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to start in verse 8. It says this, you'll see the scripture, and God is able to bless you abundantly. See, not only is God with you, not only is God for you, but God wants to bless you. You say, well, how does he want to bless me? Here's that word. We've seen it before. In John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you life and give you life more abundantly. Not only does he want to have life more abundantly, but he says, yes, I do want to bless you. And look what he says. 
And I want to bless you abundantly. Say, why? Look at the so that. This is so good. Are you ready? Not only tell you how he's going to bless you, bless you abundantly, but then he turns around and gives you the so that. So that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. See, do you see the so that? God wants to bless you abundantly so that, let me read it again, in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that scripture, you know what my answer is? Yes. Lord, I want that. Yes. And it's not a yes like, like selfishness or self-consumed or, or like, ooh, I want this. It, it's, it, yes. I want to know not only that you are for me, not only that you're with me, that you're for me, and that you want to bless me, but yes, I want to receive that. In fact, he keeps going. If you keep reading in chapter 9, a few verses further down, it's in verse 11, he says these few words. You will be enriched in every way. Not only does he want to bless you, but he says, I want to enrich you in every way. So if you're like me, when I was studying this and preparing for this message and working through some different things, I thought, man, this sounds great. My only question is, how does this happen? What is the reasoning behind it? I'm going to come back to that at the very end. But I want to take you on a journey in God's Word to let you understand not only is he with you, not only is he for you, but that he wants to bless you and what that blessing is. We're going to end up flipping in God's word. So you can flip there, or you can go in your phone, and we're going to be in 1 Timothy. We're going to be in 1 Timothy. Hold your place there in 2 Corinthians, and we're going to come back. But in 1 Timothy chapter 4, we have an amazing concept. This is Paul writing to Timothy, and he's letting him understand some things that need to be there for him to start to understand with this life, this life more abundantly, and how to receive these blessings. See, if we can understand, hopefully you're catching this with me, if we can start in our minds on a regular basis when we hit tough times, say, wait a minute, even though I may feel like I'm all by myself, guess what, God's with me. And all of a sudden, when we feel like we're getting bombarded by everybody else and nobody's for us, we go, wait a minute, God's for me. And when we feel like things are sucking the life out of us, we can stop and say, wait a minute, no, God wants to bless me. If we can get in the habit of burning those three things in our mind on a regular basis, you will be surprised mentally and spiritually how you will find yourself moving forward in this life much quicker. But one of the things you've got to understand is why. So in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, 15, he says this. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He says very simply, practice these things immerse yourself in them see one of the things you have to understand in order to get to this concept of these three cups that need to be a part of your life that i'm going to start showing you in a minute bear with me in order for you to have the blessings god wants in your life you need to understand that there is an obedience that comes with it he's telling timothy practice these things immerse yourself in them now i am the person that going what are these things? Like just saying practice, what does that mean? Well, can I read a little bit before that? 
probably one of the most quoted verses. I think about Pastor Sam in student ministry. How many times we hear this in student ministry because the word youth is there. And it says this in verse 12. Let no one despise you for your youth or your youthfulness. But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And he's telling Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. And in student ministry, when I was in student ministry for 25 plus years, it's like this was the battle cry for every student ministry that ever was. Oh, don't let anybody look down on you on your youth. But here's what's amazing. If you study this scripture, most theologians would tell you, most scholars would tell you that Paul is writing to Timothy and he's probably somewhere between the age of mid-20s to mid-30s. In fact, most people if you were to do a poll, would gravitate to he was more in his late 30s. And he's talking to this 33, 34-year-old Timothy, and Paul's saying, hey, buddy, don't let anybody look down on you because of your lack of experience, because of your, your, your lack of, of experience and age, or because that you are young. He says, but rather present yourself as a believer and he gives them five areas. These are the things that he's telling him to practice. There, and the word there that's Greek for the example of a believer is a word called tupos. It actually means to leave a mark. Now, that doesn't mean anything to you guys, does it? Okay, does it help you if I tell you there's one other time, one other time in the entire New Testament that the word tupos shows up? It shows up in the Gospels when it talks about the nail scars that were imprinted in Jesus' hand. See, what, what that word is saying is an example of a believer. What it's literally saying is, is make his death, make the marks, make the tupas that he put into this world, make an example that it was worth it. Live a life in these five areas that makes Jesus' death on the cross worth it. Well, what were those five areas? Well, very simply, he said speech, the things you talk about, conduct, the way that you act, love, the way that you love people, all right, the way that we conduct ourselves, faith, we talked about that last week, talk about faith, I'm going to say it very, very quickly because it's a powerful, powerful statement. Scripture is very clear. It says if you have the faith of a mother's seed, you can move the mountains. You say mountains aren't moving in my life, and you know why? Because you're too busy talking about the mountain rather than speaking to it. Quit being consumed with the mountains. Quit talking about the mountains, but actually speak to it. You can go back to last week's podcast and listen to that message. And then he says impurity. Now, we know from studying Pauline's writings that whatever he puts on the end is normally what he's emphasizing. And I want you to know that the concept he's trying to tell Timothy is the purity in which you're going about these things is we don't want to do the right thing because the right thing is worth doing because we want to gain something out of it. We want to have a pure motive in the way that we're doing all of these things. Those are these things that he's talking about. He says, practice these things. Be obedient in these things. And then look, so that. Here we go again. Verse 15. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them. So that all may see your progress. This was the aha moment for me this last week. Because before we get to these cups, I want you to understand something. I'm fixing to give some of you a big old dose of freedom. 
you don't have to be at this amazing perfect state of completion. Do you know what people are looking for in your life? Because life really is a journey. You know what they're looking for? Progress. In church life, we are sometimes so intimidating, so uh, not fair in our expectations. Like we expect people to, to accept Christ and like you accepted Christ. Now, you've only got one goal. You need to be like Jesus. Wow, okay, that's it. It's kind of a high standard there. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but you know, he, he was perfect. He was God. But think about that. that, that that's, isn't that the truth? Like we expect people to go from, from like a life that, that was entangled with sin and with struggles and with barriers, and they pray to receive Christ, and we just, like, genie in a bottle, like, bloop, all right, good, now, you're perfect. And what he's saying is, hey, Timothy, listen to me. Don't get so caught up in trying to get to your completed state because you're trying to impress people. Don't get so caught up in trying to, to minister to people and carry out this ministry that we have set ourselves on because Timothy was Paul's prodigy. He says, don't get caught up in all those things because you're going to find yourself being bogged down. What I'd rather you do is focus on these three things, and as you do that, be realistic in that people are more consumed with your progress than they are your completion. All my 20-somethings, we have a lot. Listen to me. Nobody expects you, because you're an adult, to have it all together yet. I don't know what or where in our society that we thought that when you graduate high school, well, you need to have your plan. Are you going to go career? Are you going to go to college? And then when you go to college, you got to have your plan together. And then when you graduate college at the whopping age of 23, then you're an amazing adult and you should be done. Like, you should be on. Like, it's ready. Like, you're, nobody's expecting that. I know you may feel like that. Kind of like when you first get married. Get ready. You're going to get married, and in the first year, you're going to be asked 100 times, when are you going to have babies? When are you going to have babies? When are you going to have babies? Like, a part of getting married is so that you can just produce babies and have grandbabies. That really doesn't work, except for my kids. I'm ready to be pops. When you get married, just know I'm giving you a year, all right? But everybody else, it's like, you know what? Be patient. It's a journey. We say it this way. Everybody deserves the right to go on the journey but i'm telling you if you get so caught up in trying to get to this completed state that number one you're going to miss out on the reward which scripture and other people will tell you is the journey but you're also going to miss out on a lot of amazing people because most people's expectation whether it be your parents whether it be your friends or whether it be your pastor the expectation is you know what i don't expect you to be perfect but i do expect you to have progress Like at 23, just because you graduated college doesn't mean that you got everything together. But you know what? At age 23, you should be further along than age 22. And a year after college, you should be further along than, than right before graduation. And all you guys that are not in your 20s go, whew, man, we missed this one. <laughs> Luckily, I'm not in my 20s. If you're in your 30s, you should be further along. If you're in your 40s, you'd be further along. I, I'm going to chase one of my rabbit trails real quick. When you're married... You know why the first years of marriage are so tough? 
is because for most men, they're trying to still live like they're single, but they want to be married. And you know what your wife's trying to explain to you? It comes through, through growth and through maturity and through aging is that you hit a point where you go, you know what? You don't have to be completed in this, but I need to see progress. Like, like no, you don't go out and hang out with the guys all the time. No, they are a priority. And that goes both ways, husband or wife. But you know what most people are looking for? And you know what God's looking for? He's looking for progress. He says, practice these things. The way that you conduct yourself. Be an example of those who believe. So that, so that people will see your progress. You say, why is it important that people see my progress? Because they're on the same journey and they want to know that it's doable. I cannot tell you how many times I've been in the middle of a situation that I was doing something that I've never done before. That happens a lot. And it's one of those things that immediately, if I get into a situation where I get a little bit worried, you know the first thing I think about? I think about somebody that's already been there and done that and knows how to do it. If, if something's happening in my car and, you know, and, and I start dilly-dallying around, I go, okay, I've, I've checked a fuse box, I've checked different things, I don't know what it is. All of a sudden, I got people that are here in this room that immediately I call and say, okay, look, man, I, here's what it's doing, and I don't know why. And they literally very quickly say, well, check this, you know. Turn your key halfway on, turn the left blinker on, hit your brake twice, and turn the wheel to the right. And I'm going, what? And I do that, and they say, oh, yep, that means it's this. How did you know that? You know why? Because they've been there. And they have progress. I mean, you guys have all done it. I'll pick on Jeff Baker, our AC man. I mean, oh, well, turn your AC on heat, and then turn it down to 60, and then flip it over, and at the last minute, hit the fan. And I'm going, what? Yep, it's that breaker. What? Like, at no, at no point am I going to be like, hey, here's what I'm going to try. But it's called experience, and it's called progress. We laugh about it when we make fun of the pastor and his lack of ability of knowing how to do stuff. But when it comes to our spiritual life, it's not that funny, is it? See, the reason why you've got to focus on these things is because there's other people that are coming that you know that it's doable to have progress. Like the reason why God wants you to know that he's with you and the reason why God wants you to know that he's for you and the reason why he wants to bless you is because there's other people coming that are in the same situation that you're in. And you know what? He wants them to know that this isn't the end game, and that there's a thing called progress. See, the first cup that you have to understand to be able to be blessed is a word called feast. It's a word called feast. See, there is a part of you, in order to be blessed, that you've got to be consumed with getting things for yourself. Now, I know that seems very, very strange, doesn't it? Like, the pastor's telling me to focus on me. I need a little me time. That is not what I'm saying. You will never hear me say, you need a little me time. That's one of my pet peeves, all right? But there is something that God wants you to do to practice so that you can get healthier. When I think of a feast, I'm thinking of, like, the meat sweats. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you have grilled, you've made all this stuff, and you're, you're sitting down and you're eating, and you're like, oh, I am so full. But it's good, 
and there's still more. I don't know why I can't lose weight. And you just keep on feasting. It's like you, you just want more, and you want more, and you want more. Do you know that's what he's talking about? Paul is talking to Timothy, and he's saying, listen, buddy, you've got to show them progress, and the way you're going to show them progress is you've got to dwell on these five things in your own life. They've got to be a priority. You've got to eat them and dwell on them and feast on them. A part of God's blessing you abundantly starts with you putting yourself in a situation that it's easy for God to bless you because you're obedient. You say, Mickey, well, that sounds great. Prove it. Okay, let's prove it. Verse 15, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. Persist in this. And then look at what it says. For by doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. He said, by doing so, you will save yourself and your hearers. Now, I want to be careful here. This is not the concept that you have the ability to bring salvation to yourself. That is not what this scripture is talking about. What it's talking about is that if you, on a regular basis, will present yourself as an example of one who believes in your speech and in your conduct and in your love and in your faith and in your purity, you know what you're going to find yourself doing? You're going to find yourself having progress. You know what that progress is going to result in? It's going to result in what James chapter 1, verse 8 says. If you will draw near to God, guess what? He will draw near to you. Why? Because God is here. God is with you. Why? Because God is for you. Why? Because God wants to bless you. And so it's not that you are going to save yourself. It's the fact that you're going to understand even more who God is and understand what his salvation in your life is like. But he doesn't stop there. It introduces actually this next cup. He says, not only will you save yourself, but you will save your hearers. Now, to understand this a little bit more, I, I want to go to another scripture. Don't, don't, don't freak out about this because it's going to sound a lot like the first scripture. But it's 2 Timothy chapter 4. We were in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And listen to what it says. Verse 17. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. Now for a lot of people, that's an amazing prayer. If we were to read the context that's going on, Paul is actually writing a letter to Timothy, the 2 Timothy. He's at the end of it. He's kind of giving him this warning. It's almost like a woe is me warning. Like, dude, be careful who you run with. This one dude's bad news. He's already kind of went after me. You know, I was on this trial. Nobody was for me. Everybody was against me. But God was with me. And that's out of that. Like, at the end of that is where we get this scripture where he says, but, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. Now, what I want you to understand is the verbs that are here. See, when we start understanding that God is with us, God is for us, then we can also start understanding these words here in the Greek are what's called a perfect verb. What does that mean? You would look at it and think that it's past tense, but it's actually more than that. It's something that has already taken place. It's something that he's doing right now. And it's something that he will always continue to do. In Greek life, I'm going to give you a little Greek lesson. Some people call those a present active indicative. But there's another level of that, and they call it the perfect verb. In other words, it does it constantly. 
You know what? I want you to understand something. No matter where you're at, in this aspect of a blessing, God is standing with you. And God is ready. But there's a so that. Are you ready? Listen to what this says. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed. Through me the message might be fully proclaimed. See, the second cup that you have to understand is that God wants to do something amazing in your life and bless you abundantly. Not only because he wants you to feast on the things that are of him, but you know what? He wants you to share it. Like a part of the blessing that God has for your life is not just for you. How many times have you heard me say that? Do not live life simply for yourself. Like some of the things that God is doing is because he is wanting to empower you to be the messenger that shares the good news with other people. You say, what's the good news? I'm not talking about just the gospel. I'm talking about the good news that there's a thing called progress, that there's a thing called life. There's a thing that you don't have to stay here forever. Like there's a God that is with you. There is a God that is for you. And there's a God that wants to bless you. Most of us, being Americans, love the feast cup. We were born with the ability to feast. And at an early age, you know what our parents started trying to teach us? How to share. This is my toy. I just got this. Give it back to me. That's mine. If you're not careful and you live just in the feast cup, that's your attitude. Even in your faith, you will have a it's mine type faith. And I want you to know that you will limit God in being able to bless you abundantly if you do not get into this second cup where you say, you know what? God has been so gracious. There is so much for me to feed on. I cannot consume it all. Would you like some? God has been with me every step of the way. He has stood by me and he has strengthened me. And you know what I know? Because he stood by me and because he strengthened me, he would love to do it for you. Can I be with you? Can I stand by you? Can I strengthen you? Can I be an example in my speech and in my conduct and purity and in love and in faith? And can I share that with you? See, those two are, are pretty obvious, aren't they? But there's still this last cup. And I'm going to warn you, we don't ever talk about this last cup. Up here, we've actually made a little bit of a conscious decision to be careful about this last cup. But there's a last cup that I think is the key that unlocks God's blessing. Not only is it the obedience and feasting on these things, not only is it the concept of sharing these things, but this last cup is really, it, see, when you share, here's the thing with sharing. Usually sharing is your partaking with somebody else. Like that's, that's what sharing is. My kids will sit down and they're going to share their food. What does that mean? Well, they're going to eat some and they're going to allow you to eat some. They're going to play with their toys and they're going to allow you to play with them while they play with their toys. 
That's called sharing. But there's a third cup. You say, where does it come from? The scripture that I read in the very beginning. Will you go back with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10? When I said that he wants to bless you abundantly, listen to this word in verse 11. You will be enriched in every way. So that. So that. You can be generous in every way. Which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. See, this last cup is a key cup. You got to give. See, in the middle, we said, God wants to bless you abundantly. And you're like, woohoo, let's go, baby. But there's a so that. He wants to be so generous to you. Why? So that you can be generous in every way. See, not as he wants you to feast, not as he wants you to share, but he also wants you to learn to give. You say, what does this mean? See, the concept of giving, especially in this situation, is talking about the sowing of the seed. And to whoever sows a little will reap a little, and whoever sows abundantly will reap abundantly. And the aspect of giving is the concept of of giving something to somebody with zero intention of ever receiving anything back. See, it's the concept of, of God's blessed me. He's given me more than I could ever really consume, even though I'm feasting as much as I can. And I'm even sharing it with loved ones and friends and other people that come in my life. But every once in a while, there's a stranger that I don't know from anybody. But I've got plenty. So why would I not share it? Why would I not just say, here, you take this. Why would I not give it? Will you put that scripture back up, 2 Corinthians chapter 11? Look at the words. Look at the words. It says, so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result, listen to these words, in thanksgiving to God. See, I know a lot of people that love to give. Hey, I'll give that if you'll put my name on the wall. Hey, I'll give that if you'll name that building after me. Hey, I'll give that, but you just remember later on, man, that next lunch you owe me back. He's saying give it in such a way that you answer somebody's prayers. And they give thanksgiving. They give thanks to God, saying, God, thank you so much for answering my prayers and providing for my needs because you did that through, put your name there. See, what it is, is in this cup, this is when people know that God's with them. In this cup, they know that God's for them. And in this cup, they realize that God still wants to bless them. You say, Mickey, why share this? Well, this is actually the largest announcement ever. Because we're gearing up for this cup, July the 11th. We call it Serve Day.
God's put it on my heart. That we engage our community like we did last year, but we up one more level and we let people know that God's with them, God's for them, and God wants to bless them. And we do that by giving to them some of our stuff. You say, Mickey, oh, this is going to be great, man. Here, here's, here's $10. I don't want $10. I want some of your stuff. Oh, I got some stuff. I got garbage bags of stuff, man. I, got, I mean, I've been trying to get rid of it. Come to my house, pick it up. No, I don't want that stuff. I want some of your good stuff. I, I want you to, to start thinking. I some of you have got bicycles that are gently used that you could clean up a little bit and bring it. And on July the 11th, you're going to watch a child. I watched it last year. You never thought they'd have a bicycle. Some of you are going to go to a next step. You're going to be praying for the next couple of weeks, and you're going to say, I don't have a bicycle, but by July the 11th, I'm going to be putting a few dollars. I'm going to show up with a bicycle. Some of you have got washers and dryers that, that are just extra. Some of you have clothes that you've worn twice that are in your closet that you've not put on for a year. And listen, I ain't mad at you. I love you. It's because God's blessing you and you've been very generous. But I want to set us up for one day that we say, you know what? We're going to give. So we're going to set up in this upper gym over here the most bodacious, community-wide giveaway. You're going to have people that are going to show up that they're going to try to abuse the system. You say, Mickey, what do you do about that? You love them. And you let them know God's with them. And that God's for them. And that God wants to bless them. And in the midst of some of those people that are going to abuse the system, you're also going to find some people that because of what you're going to do and what we are going to do, that they're going to leave here going, Lord, thank you so much for providing for me. And you're going to see kids that get a brand new backpack and get school supplies. We're going to be launching on our social media ways that, that if you want to give monetarily, you can. But I'm wanting to give you as much time as we possibly can to gear up towards July the 11th. Because not only are you and I going to be generous, but we're also going to give this amazing thing that day. The most valuable thing that you've got. Your time. And you're going to let these people know how much you love them because you're going to be present and accounted for. See, here's what I want you to understand. If you want God's blessings to open up in your life, if you want to move from just that he's with me and he's for me, and you want to tap into the aspect of him blessing you, I want you to know it's as simple as starting to fill these three cups. Again, most of the time we have no issue with this one because that's where we are. That's me. Gets a little bit tougher when we share. But man, this gift thing, Listen to me.
We're not going to test God. But I am going to give you a challenge. I want you to dwell on this for several days and several weeks. And when we get to July the 11th, if you're at the same place you are right now, and you've seen zero progress in your life, then whatever financial or whatever supplies that you have been stowing away, as a church, we will reimburse you and double whatever the amount was. But I'm confident of this. That if you'll focus on these things, then you're going to see progress. In fact, I want you to know how committed we are. As a church, today, today when you leave, but we are so committed to this as a church, but we're also committed to you. A few years back, we read a book together called The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson, and it literally changed most of us life. And don't mishear me. I'm not one of these pastors like, we need to go read a book. No, we need to read the Bible. I get that. But there's also some amazing books that, that help bring the Bible even more into light. And today, whether you be online or whether you be with us in person, I want to give you a challenge. I'm going to rearrange my schedule, and we're going to do a summer group on a book called The Double Blessing. Some of you took my challenge at the beginning of the COVID-19, and you've already read it. You're going to join with us as well. You say, Mickey, I don't, I don't have, you know, 15, 20 bucks for a book. You know, just to, I don't read. First of all, let me address those that don't read. Since when has something you don't do ever kept you from doing stuff? I mean, most of you get up every week and go to work, not because you want to. I'm telling you. I'm challenging you. I'm putting a gauntlet down today. I want to challenge you. Are you... Are you in a spot in your life where you're ready to see your cups overrun? If you are, then I want you to take this challenge and read this book. You say, Mickey, how do I get this book? Here's what our church is going to do. If you'll commit to reading this book, we're going to purchase it. It's not going to cost you a dime. We're going to spend a chunk of change. Why? Because you're worth it. How in the world can we get up here and talk about you being generous and as a church not be generous? The reality is, is you've already paid for this book. Most of you are generous and are givers. It's silly. You've already, you've already taken care of it. Thank you. You say, how do I get it? I need you to, when you leave, you're going to see a, a table. And you're going to see Miss Haley out there, our administrator. And you're going to write your name down. You say, one per family? No. Whoever will read it, you get a book. Well, there's four in my family, me, my wife, and we got two older teenagers, and they both want to read it. That's four. That's four. Because I'm telling you, let me go back to my 20-somethings. Man, I wish I'd have had this book when I was 24 years old. If you're 18, you'll be ahead of the game. If you're fixing to be a high schooler, it will change your life. I just need you to sign up. If you're online, put it in the comments. Put your name in the comments. Say, I want one. I'm going to read. 
You say, well, I don't normally go to the church. It's not about crossroads. I promise we will be better as God's global church if we understand these cups. And we're committed to make that happen. You're going to hear later on some ways that you can join with me, and I'm going to have some different groups that are meeting in different locations. We're waiting to, to see how many people sign up and how we got to break this down because there are some restrictions. You know, we're going to be meeting in some different places. I've already talked to some restaurant owners about possibly going over to their place and having a group. And you say, Mickey, it, how, three weeks. We're going to read this book in three weeks. You know what, at the end of that three weeks, It'll be serve day. But I will warn you. If you don't want progress in your life, don't take this challenge. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna, to it's, it's, it's make you move. But if you want to understand more and more what the so that life's like, take this challenge. For some of you guys, some of you ladies, yes, this will be the first book you've ever read. It's 200 pages. It's 198 to be exact. And we're going to be asking you to read roughly 10 pages a day. I will tell you this. I don't talk about this a whole lot. To be honest with you, because I don't want to freak any of you guys out. But I got dreams and visions that God's been giving to me in preparing this. That I think we'll all be astonished at what he wants us to feast on and how much he wants us to share and just how much there will be to give if we'll do this. Because God is with you. And he's for you. And he wants to bless you. And you know what? God is with them too. And he's for them too. And he wants to bless them as well. But he wants to do it through you. If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.